This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Monday morning in America, and you know what that means, gents. It's time to raise our glass. I just got water today. Me too. Hemlock. Oh, but Doug's water comes in a can. He can- That's how rich I am. Mine comes out of the <laughs> hose out in front of the house. Mine's vodka. <laughs> Yours is all vodka. Three quarters of the way full. Is there another way? Reminds me of my high school social studies teacher. What, vodka? <laughs> Mr. Barubi. Yep. Vodka while, while teaching? Oh, yeah. Way to out him, by the way. Wow. Nice. I'm sorry. He means Mr. Smith. Yeah. Means Mr. Smith. <laughs> That's right. On behalf of the men and women making podcast in mom's basement, none of which who really have vodka, and the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union who definitely aren't doing this toast with vodka, here's to our troops keeping us safe. Let's go stack some Benjamins together, shall we? Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what have you learned about money from the movies? Me? I learned that greed is good. Today, OG and Joe will fill your list of streaming goodness as they share their top five financial lessons from movie characters. But before that, what's the future of work from home? We'll share one story that may help you plan for the future. And in our TikTok Minute, we'll finally talk some common sense and athletics. But that's not all. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky stacker, and then I'll share some gross trivia. And now two guys who are in my top five. No, they're not. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. The writer tried to sneak one in there on me. Do we make honorable mention? <laughs> At least honorable mention? No. It depends on the day. The highlight reel? It's day. To, it's touch and go, man. Yes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Try to Get on Doug's Good Side Podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi. Every Joe Money on Twitter. By the way... Foreshadowing's one thing. OG and I had a hell of a time putting these top fives together, and you're already like quoting one that may or may not be on one list or two. What are you doing? Proves to everybody that I'm one step ahead of you boys. Just absolutely. Holy cow. 
You know what, dude? Before we get into the movies, before we get into this awesome headline and our TikTok minute, Doug, we got to have a talk. Are you about to set me down? Yeah, let's start right here. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hold on, I'm halfway done. Play another one. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. And so that's why we don't do that. <laughs> I thought you were going to end with, and stay out. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. We got a great show, man. Where would it be without your trivia? Where would it be without all that? It would be at episode three. Oh, gee, you got your list ready? Oh, uh, yeah, I have a list of six. So perfect. Well, let's get this show rolling then. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking Benjamin's headlines. By the sound of Joe's bitterness, he's down to four now since I took one of his. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll plow ahead no matter what. We'll we'll do it live. Uh, our headline today comes to us from MarketWatch. This is written by Jeffrey Bartash. Most businesses plan to stick to current work from home arrangements. A Fed study found, OG, that it looks like businesses want more employees to show up at the office, but they still plan to stick with current work from home arrangements for the foreseeable future. That's the chief finding from a new survey by the New York Federal Reserve Bank. The reason companies are content to keep doing what they're doing, the poll found, is that they want to stay fully staffed. Turns out that employees, OG, really want to have some days working from home. But I think the reason I brought this up is, you know, this isn't about spending money or investing money. This is about making money. And some of the videos I've seen lately of work from home have one of two things happening. Either A, somebody is 
not working at all because they haven't figured out how to actually work from home because there's too many distractions. Or on the other side, <laughs> people not watch this on YouTube. Oh, gee, just point to himself right there. Or on the other side, there's no boundaries. Five o'clock comes, five o'clock goes, six o'clock comes, six o'clock goes, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. It's now midnight and we're still working for the quote man instead of doing our own thing. So, oh, gee, I thought it's time for us to have a discussion because you and I have been working from home for a long, long time. And I think we may have learned a couple of things about that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you don't have discipline at the office, you're sure as heck not going to have discipline outside of the office. I think we all got a big, long haul pass for quite a while. You know, and companies are probably jerking the wheel in the opposite direction as much as they were during COVID and the work from home and doing things like, I mean, I'm hearing stories of like keystroke loggers, you know, hey, it's a work computer. We put whatever we want on there. Your mouse wasn't moving over a period, enough periods of time. Therefore, you must not be actually engaged. And and then with that amount of oversight comes like ways to hack that, right? Like now I have this little, I have a mouse. I mean, there's companies that sell mouse jigglers, yeah, right? You know, it's not yeah. what you think. Get your mind out of the gutter, Doug. It. It's a whole different thing. But <laughs> So it's like this race to the bottom of like who doesn't trust who the most. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I don't trust you to do work. So I'm going to put this on your computer. Well, I don't trust that you're going to believe that I'm working even if my mouse isn't moving. So I'm going to put this on my computer. Like, dit, 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 dit. we just go back and forth and as opposed to just measuring for results. Sure. And I think if you're working with the right company, you probably hopefully don't have that situation if you're working from home. The harder thing is though, is that why does your boss do that in the first place? Because they know there's some messing around going on. And and don't get me wrong, I'm sure for you, it's the same as it is for me, OG. If I've got to get up and go to the store in the middle of the day, I can do that. But largely I've had to do the same thing I know you've done, which is I've partitioned off space and time, which is specifically for work. And the hard part is for me actually then getting out of that, which we'll talk about in a second. But I think a lot of people think, oh, you work from home. That means you do nothing. You just take naps all day. That is not true. Or it's not entirely true. It's not not all (laughs) the truth. Maybe for one of us. That is not true, but I think too many people think that flexibility means I don't have to do anything. And I think you get this, this horrible lesson, maybe from your boss, you know, later on that, uh, I kind of got to figure out ways to keep the ball moving. Ultimately, it just comes down to trust. How do you earn it? You earn it by delivering results, doing when you, what you say you're going to do, show up on time, say please and thank you, right? All of those things that we've learned and try to remember to practice from time to time. But I think this starts at the higher level, not the lower level. I think that the executive team or the manager or whatever need to just manage to outcomes and not to hours, time and time and service. Just because you you're jiggling your mouse doesn't mean you're getting anything done. That's right. I mean, Doug jiggles his oh, mouse I'm getting something two done. or three times a day. Easy. <laughs> we, 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 uh, have had, I just, that thought. How did Come you on. not expect us to do that? You said it. Stay with us. Stay <laughs> with it. Easy. You know, one thing I'm always reticent to do has been to tell my boss, hey, guess what I did? I did this and I did this and I did this today and I did this. Like, you know, like I feel like I'm oh, flexing, yeah. but, I th- but I think if you work from home, you have to do that to some degree because otherwise studies show your boss thinks if they don't see you, they think you're doing nothing. So I think you have to get used to over-reporting what you're working on so that your boss knows there's actually something going on under the hood. Yeah. I mean, you can do this a lot of different ways. Team meetings every single week, 
you know, here's my priorities for the week. Here's the status of the projects that I'm on. Here's what I'm working on this week. Here's what I hope to have accomplished this week. I mean, you got to do that for yourself anyway. Work expands in the amount of time allotted for it, right? Think about the next time. I mean, Joe, you and I right now are in Denver at Podcast Movement, which is work-ish. You know, there's some leisure time in there. But we had to think about, okay, all right, so Joe's going to be gone. OG's going to be gone. Doug's gonna, like We start structuring what, what, what happens to our podcast schedule. We get it all jammed in and we go, oh, well, that was easy. We could just record a couple extra shows and boom, we're done. We did a whole bunch of work in preparation for this you know, this, this period of time off or at least four days when we'd be normally working from our homes. So the same thing happens with your real work, right? You know, you got a vacation coming up. It's amazing what you can get done <laughs> the week before vacation. It's amazing when the project is due, how little gets done until two weeks before the project's due. And then, and you know, then you can work your butt off. So unless you, do, you, unless you structure it, yeah, ahead unless of you time. just structure it out ahead of time, especially yeah. with the flexibility of working from home. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely love being able to do that. But for me, I don't know how you organize your day, OG, but I have to put it right on my calendar. Like to-do list is junk for me. Mm. If it's on my calendar, I do it. If it's not on my calendar, I don't. So, you know, when my team looks at my calendar, it has every little thing that I'm going to do that day with a set time that I'm working on that because I have no boss looking over my shoulder, but I know that I'm going to be accountable for those results. Yeah. I'm on sticky notes. That's kind of my... My system for getting stuff well, done. You're also really good at batching as well. Yes and no. I mean, our like our podcast recording is an example of that, right? It's a love hate relationship with recording a bunch all at one time and then and then being done with that activity for another few days. Well, and then there's the other side of this, which is people that uh, that can't turn it off, right? And bosses may not know that, but bosses may get used to the fact that you can overachieve every day and they don't realize it's because you're working till you know, these increasingly late, late, late hours. I had a great mentor early on in my career because when I became a financial planner, I had freedom of schedule from the very beginning. And I remember Alice telling me to come home at the same time every day. Even if I didn't have anything to do at the office, OG, come home at the same time every day. And the reason is, is that A, I will take seriously my time away. And then on the other side, if I showed up in the middle of the day, and Cheryl happens to be home then, then she assumes I can do that every single day. Mm -hmm. So the people around you will not help you create this little time box. They will help you destroy your time box. If they think you can go out to do X, Y, Z, you know, go do the grocery shopping at one in the afternoon, they will help you. So I love that advice. Turn it off at the same time every day. And all those other things that you're doing too, right? I mean, it sends a signal to the family. It sends a signal to your neighbors. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's okay if you want to go take a walk at 11 o'clock in the morning and and that's the scheduled time to do that, have at it. But if you're kind of random with your day, you're going to have random results, which kind of leads back to that whole, what, what's what's happening? Yeah, being output focused. Yeah. I like that. Start with the output and then organize your day from there. Coming up next, uh, time for our TikTok Minute. This is the part of the show where we shine a light on a TikTok creator who's either talking about something brilliant or maybe air quotes, brilliant. OG, I know we went to you last time and you had to agree that it was pretty brilliant. What do we got this week? Brilliant or air quotes, oh, brilliant? Definitely brilliant. What? 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 What are you talking about? Who are you? This is just a thing. So we've seen, talking about money, you know, we've seen the money be a demon. Doug, you talked about greed is good, right? Good. Yeah. We may or may not hear that in a clip later from our top fives, but it definitely is on the list of lines that a lot of people 
know that are fans of anything finance. But that money thing, OG, that greed monster has hit college athletics recently, where all of a sudden we see all of these colleges changing conferences, changing the game. The Pac-10 now is, uh, is it gone officially? Is it? Well, it was the Pac-12. We believe that was the uh, Pac-4. <laughs> the Pac-4, yes. But what's cool is this guy, Kent Sports on TikTok, had a brilliant idea now that four of the teams in the Pac-12 have joined the Big Ten. Listen to what they can do, which might actually even make them even more money than they're thinking about now. Washington and Oregon off to the Big Ten. This tweet just makes too much sense. So Kyle Robbins says, crazy idea here. Add Stanford and Cal to get it 20. Divide the new league into two conferences. One can be the Big Ten and the other can be the Pac-10. I like where this is going. The two conferences can play for a championship in the Rose Bowl. Absolutely genius. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's never been done a before. A new Big Ten. A new Big Ten and a Pac-10. Imagine the money that would get if they just did that. Split it in half. Yeah. Play for a championship once a year. It just makes me remember, you know, if somebody, it makes me think like if somebody did the same thing with all these different streaming services, like package them all together. Yeah. So you just had them like in one, one fell swoop. Yeah. You could watch any channel you wanted at any time. And it was oh. all, it was all just, it was organized by time and date. Hey, what? Live in the dream then. Yeah. Live in the dream. How great would that be? Toggle back and forth easily between house hunters and the game. You know, depending on where you're at. What, Fabulous. The old picture in picture the days. Remember the picture in picture days? Uh, Does anybody do picture in picture anymore? No, yeah. they that guy they all colluded to get rid of it. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, they brought a streaming instead, right? So I can just fully watch whenever I want. Well, they really did. That's obviously technically it's been technically feasible forever, but they all got together and like, yeah, we don't like what that does to Tensions our bad. ad revenue. I'm glad that's gone though. My ADD couldn't handle it. <laughs> it was just too many. But now some of the services like YouTube and uh, I want to say Dish, they have uh, some sports channels that will give you six tiles. Yeah, oh, the Red Zone channel and Red Zone. Red Zone, yeah, but that obviously just that's just one sport. But yep, Red Zone just drives me crazy. My ADD just goes crazy on the Red Zone. Ah, good idea on our TikTok minute. It was brilliant, OG, don't you think? I had my fingers crossed, so it didn't count, but yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> sucked us in. He tricked us the whole time, Doug. Tricked us the whole time. Had them both. Coming up next, uh, we decided to have some fun this week with the top five. You know, I've been thinking that if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know how much OG, Doug, and I love talking about what's on TV, talking about what's on movies, but we've never put together a top five out of all the top fives we've done over the Many, many years of the Stacking Benjamin Show, we have never done a top five financial lessons from films, from film characters. So we're going to dive into those in just a second. But before we get there, Doug, you said you had some gross trivia. What's what's gross? Uh, well, just let's see how the story unfolds. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And if you know anyone out there is a doctor... I made a troubling discovery when I got out of the shower this morning. Hey, speaking of discoveries, in 1848, a man named James Marshall found gold in them thar hills in Coloma, California. This sparked the gold rush that lasted several years and brought a massive influx of people to the West Coast. Well, that and, you know, all the legal weed. Although California is known for being the epicenter of entertainment, it's the state's tremendous agriculture industry that puts its GDP above those of most countries. 
Here's today's trivia question. What in the world does GDP stand for? I'll be back right after I apply some more cream to my situation here. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal's insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm Gold Digger and wait. Well, no, no, not that kind of gold digger. Gold, gold lover, gold lover and Cortisone 10 user chose mom's neighbor, Doug. And today we're talking GDPs. You may remember having learned about them in your high school health class. I just found out that all countries have them. Well, that makes me feel a little better. Today's trivia question is, what does GDP stand for? The answer, gross to... Oh, gross domestic product. I think you need to read your own trivia ahead of time, dude. That, that does make a little more sense now that I see it written out. I guess I don't have one then, apparently. Now, but a country or state's gross domestic product is the total monetary value of all the goods and services produced within the borders of that area for a given time frame. Duh. The GDP is what's used to determine the economic health of a place. Whew. Man, that was a close one. And now back to Joe and OG with their top five financial tips from movie characters. OG, you ever have a problem with your GDP? No. <laughs> Thank goodness. It is, apparently, it's not very good based on what uh, Doug's saying. You have to have the P to have a problem with the GD. <laughs> these these uh, top five financial lessons from film characters. My problem, OG, was I didn't have a problem coming up with five. I had uh, far too many. How about you? Uh, yeah. I mean, if I had more time, I would have come up with more than, more than time. the six I did. Wait, wait, wasn't this your idea to begin with? What do you mean if I had more time? 
It was not, but we did tell him like three days ago, which for people that don't know, OG is, is like a world of time. Two, two and a half days too early. You can't give him that much time. That's the issue here. And then what was the text message this morning? Yeah, I need a few more minutes. Yeah, yeah. We, we may need to record this a little later. You know, let's talk about our list for a second before we do this, OG, because I did try to stay away from... I have a couple obvious ones in here, but there are three really obvious ones that I didn't include that I just want to nod to because I just thought, you know, if we come across with the same list of movies over and over and over and over and over, it just is, I don't know. I just found that kind of boring. So a few I wanted to give nods to, I did not have risky business on my list, which is a great look at how futures and commodities markets work. Pretty funny. Trying to curb the orange juice market, right? No, 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 no. Not risky business. That's trading places. Trading places. Oh, my God. Yes. Trading places. R- risky right. business is where you're trying to have a party, right? It's when you're trying to be a pimp. Another <laughs> great. A whole some, different thing. <laughs> still important. The world's there's oldest some, professional management organization. We could have had the Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room. Could have also had, um, I thought about A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge, I think, is a fantastic lesson. My number six was The Big Short, uh, which is a great primer. But, you know, Moneyball, there's so many, so many good ones. But mine weren't that uh, straightforward, OG. How about yours? Pretty straightforward? Yeah, let me, uh, sure, sure didn't pick any from <laughs> Oprah Wall Street or <laughs> Wall Street or Big Short. Mother Scratcher. <laughs> Might not have had any of those. Definitely didn't pick any of those. Well, who do we want to go first? You can go first. All right. Number five. I'm so glad that I get to go first because I get to play the clip that I think uh, everybody is expecting. This is my number five from a movie that appeared in the mid-1980s. Point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Yes. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. <laughs> that, other, that other malfunctioning corporation. That's, of course, Michael Douglas playing the role of Gordon Gecko in the classic movie Wall Street, a movie that is a great primer about all the things that are great and all the things that are horrible about Wall Street. What I really liked about this movie, OG, and especially this character of Gordon Gecko, is that on one hand, I think we're all obsessed with Gordon Gecko and you want to be Gordon Gecko. And as the movie goes on, you see how hollow pieces of his life are. But you still, you end the movie with this back and forth. Of course, bad things are about to happen to Gordon Gecko. I don't know. A movie that's like this old, is it okay to give away what happens? Spoiler alert. I don't know the rule on like 40-year-old spoilers or 35-year-old spoilers. What are you going to do next? Sixth Sense? Right. That's right. That's right. You see what? But what I do like, without giving away, I guess, the ending is that, you know, there's a classic scene where Charlie Sheen's character is talking on one of these huge satellite phones to Gordon Gecko, and uh, Gordon Gecko's standing on the beach, and Charlie Sheen's saying, how many yachts can you water ski behind? One of my favorite lines from the movie, and I remember thinking, I still think to this day, I don't know, but I kind of like to find out, you know? <laughs> like, let's see how many yachts I can water ski behind. 
And there is a piece of greed and you do kind of nod. And at the same time, there's so much bad that happens in the movie. There's so much bad that you see around you that he's such a conflicting character, which is what I think makes not only this movie great, but really dives into why capitalism is to quote OG, you know, the best thing and the worst thing all wrapped into one. So I think, uh, that's my number five wall street. I've got, uh, off the wall. Number five, see if you guys can figure out where this one's from. Man, I see in Fight Club the strongest and smartest men who've ever lived. I see all this potential, and I see a squandered. An entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy we don't need. How's that one? A little fight club going on. Advertisers have us buying cars and clothes and working jobs we hate for stuff we don't need, courtesy of Brad Pitt. Yeah. Courtesy of Brad Pitt. Fantastic film. That, By the way, I have never seen Well, you can't admit to it anyway, so. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> as what far as you seen? I should have finished that with as far as you know. That's right. Yeah. Stop trying to impress everybody. I like that message. I mean, how many times have we heard that over and over from yeah. guests here? That we're buying a bunch of stuff for for what? Filling up cubic feet of space, right? Yeah. Number four. Okay, number four is for me. So uh, let's do... <laughs> number one rule of Wall Street. Nobody, I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or if you're Jimmy Buffett, nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. Least of all stockbrokers. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? Fugazi, it's a fake. Yeah, Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It's not real, right? Right. That's Mark Hanna, of course, from? Of course, from the Wolf of Wall Street. Saying. That's just before the pounding your chest. Yeah, just after. Just after the pounding your chest moment. Yeah. No truer words. Nobody has any idea if stock's going to go up, down, or sideways. Doesn't matter if you're Warren Buffett, Jimmy Buffett, or and least of all stockbrokers. <laughs> Have you ever quoted that in a meeting? I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or Jimmy Buffett. You don't know. No, but I'm going to start. Like that would be a great flex, and just see if they <laughs> yeah, know, right. Right? right? Yeah, I mean, so you think about all the time and energy people spend on CNBC or Fox Business or whatever, and all the people that they have on those shows, and all of the programming that starts from 8 30 in the morning and ends at five o'clock in the afternoon and it's all about hey you know apple's got this announcement coming out and this is what's going to happen nobody knows and look at what that whole movie's about og is about a firm that's tricking people into thinking that the stock they're about to buy is going to go through the roof yeah right i mean jordan belfort's whole scam was let's yeah. just pump and dump let's just pump these things up and then uh, get out from underneath it and somebody, somebody else is holding the bag that's right yes uh, make people's dreams come true until they're not true. Oh, he even talks about that right after this little section of the clip. He says, keep the gravy train going. You make some money for a client, get them to reinvest, get them to ba- get more money in the firm. It was a different world back then for sure, but that's still true. That is... Nobody knows what's yes, going to happen. Nobody has any idea. Uh, my first one was from the early to mid 80s. My second one, I'm going to move up a decade and go to the mid 90s. This is a this is a film with a strong message that I think we all need to hear. This movie stars two guys named Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. Today, cause it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got to do. How you gonna sell, bud? And you smoke? 
Oh, no. Claude, have mercy. Just give me three and a half minutes. Maybe even four. Come here. What's up, big pie? I mean, big wine? If you ain't got my money or my bud, I'm killing you and him. Break yourself, fool. You don't drag me into this? And he said we don't pay him by 10 o'clock. He gonna bust a cap in both our ass. And we need to pay him, man. He's crazy, man. Let's stick together. Now, Dana told me about that big snake situation. Big wine. Big worm, big hole, big... I don't give a damn. <laughs> And so uh, it begins with Chris Tucker, who's a small time weed dealer, gets his buddy Ice Cube, who is uh, unemployed and just needs something to do, gets him wrapped up into this deal where they owe this big time drug dealer, Big Worm, 200 bucks. And he's going to, as you heard, cat both their asses if he doesn't get his money by that night. And then hilarity ensues. So while they try to come up with 200 bucks, two guys that do not have $200 between them. And um, man, what a what a great movie Friday was. I'm waiting for the lesson part. The lesson is don't get into debt, oh, man. They will, gotcha. Do you, do you think credit cards are any different than Big Worm? Back when I had trouble with credit cards about the same time this movie was out, I will tell you they are exactly like Big Worm. They don't care. They will take you down. It doesn't matter. Just give me my money. Bank of America, Big Worm, same thing. doesn't matter. Do not get into debt. That's the lesson from Friday. From Friday. You're like, or have a cash reserve with, of $200. With, or have a cash. Yeah, absolutely. That movie. I'm a, God, I laughed my way through that movie. Number three. I tried to structure where all these movies came from, for just from different genres, you know? And uh, there was a movie, I'm going to go up another 10 to 15 years, to a film that I super liked, and um, IMDb just did not agree with me on this one, but this is one of my favorite movies, and it stars Sally Field, and it's called Hello, My Name is Doris. And in this clip, OG, Doris is a person who is nearing the end of her career, She's always lived with her parents. Her parents have, have died. She's never had any life. She's never gone anywhere. She's never done anything. She has problems with hoarding. She has big, big problems with hoarding. And um, she gets a new guy at work who's maybe 20 years younger than she is. And she decides that uh, she really likes this guy. And she thinks that he likes her too. And this is him approaching her cubicle while she's, uh, while she's typing away. I just wanted to say thank you for the coffee earlier. Also, sorry if I was rude. Anne's been on me about the December catalog since I got here. It's been kind of a thing. Oh, it's okay. I understand. Cool. All right. Is that a baby Goy on the nuclear winter CD? Yes. That's my favorite band. You're kidding. I wouldn't have thought that you'd be into electronic music. Oh, I am. I'm, I'm a real music person. I like electronic and doo-wop and show tunes. You're a baller, Doris. Straight up. Thank you. Pound it. And he sticks out his fist to say pound it. She has no idea what the hell to do. So she grabs <laughs> his fist and shakes it because <laughs> she likes EDM music and doo-wop and show tunes, <laughs> you know, because Doris is quite a baller. So she thinks they got something going on. By the way, somebody had just left that CD on her desk, like literally a minute before. So she's lying her ass off. No idea. She ends up, though, with these new friends and this whole new world around her, OG. And the lesson, I think, from Doris that I really loved is from 2016, is it's not about stuff. 
Doris has all this stuff. I mean, to the point that there seriously is a hoarding problem going on at home and she's never once lived. And now she's at the end of her career and she's for the first time in her life, figuring out what living is to the point that she thinks it's love. She thinks she's in love with this dude. Who's way, way, way younger than her, totally living a different life. And just, she's so in love with this idea that she now can have a life that, um, that there's some mixed signals going on, which creates a lot of comedy. So Hello, my name is Doris was, I thought a great movie, but also a great lesson about, it's not about what you got, it's about what you, what you really go out there and do. Okay. My number three, uh, you brought this movie up before the big short, which obviously kind of chronicled all of the housing market and all that sort of stuff. And this is kind of from the last scene of the show or the last scene of the movie where Steve Farrell's character is just kind of sitting by himself and he's on the phone with his Trader, they're literally watching this in real time as stuff's about to uh, kind of implode. Stop coming out of ATMs. They had to backstop this. They knew the taxpayers would bail them out. They weren't being stupid. They just didn't care. Yeah, because they're crooks. But at least we're going to see some of them go to jail. Right? I mean, they're going to have to break up the banks. I mean, the party's over. I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling that in a few years, people are going to be doing what they always do in the economy tanks. They would be blaming immigrants and poor people. But Mark was wrong. In the years that followed, hundreds of bankers and rating agencies executives went to jail. The SEC was completely overhauled, and Congress had no choice but to break up the big banks and regulate the mortgage and derivatives industries. Just kidding. Banks took the money the American people gave them and they used it to pay themselves huge bonuses and lobby the Congress to kill big reform. And then they blamed immigrants and poor people. And this time, even teachers. And when all was said and done, only one single banker went to jail. This poor schmuck, Kareem Sarah Geldin from Credit Suisse. He hit a few billion in mortgage bond losses, something most of the big banks did on a good day during the crisis. Kind of the ending of The Big Short, which was... I, I saw you perk up. You're like, wait, that's not how it went down. Nobody went to jail. There were no banking reforms. I forgot that scene. Yeah. Such a good movie. There's so many lessons, I think, in that, in the retrospection of watching it, because you you already know the outcome, right? And so like one of the scenes earlier in the movie where they're like down in Miami and guy's like, I was spinning records last week and now I'm a mortgage broker. That was the clip I was going to play. When this was on my list, I was going to play the clip where Stephen Carell takes his guys to the side and goes, why are they implicating themselves? Like they're doing all this legal stuff. And the guy goes, they're not implicated. They're bragging. They are just flat out bragging. They're not admitting they did stuff wrong. They're they're high-fiving you. Yeah, exactly. There's so many interesting ways to view this. Obviously, it was written in the sense of being able to kind of see the dominoes fall the way that... uh, Michael uh, Lewis Michael Lewis wanted it to happen. But I think the way that I look at this last little bit is from a personal finance standpoint, there's always going to be stuff that's going to go bad. The economy is going to take a crap. The You're going to lose a job. You're going to lose a bonus opportunity. You're going to miss out on something. Like there's going to be tons and tons and tons of things in your life, personally, professionally, financially, that are going to have not great outcomes. And then you're going to see like what happened. Like, well, I got hosed in this deal because of this situation. But the reality is, is that none of that fixes you. All the people that got hammered, 
with the mortgage crisis during the recession, nobody came to their rescue, basically. You have to solve that problem on your own. And it's completely unfair in many cases. And it's completely BS that yeah, some of that's a little sensationalized about, you know, they took the bonuses and, you know, took the bailout money and gave themselves bonus. I mean, that's kind of sort of what happened. And that's not right. But you can't do anything about that. And if you sit there for years and years and years and say, you know, I got screwed in this deal, so I'm just going to sit here and pout. Nobody cares. You have to solve the problem on your own. And sometimes bad things happen and it's okay to be ticked off about it and it's okay to, to be frustrated. But the only person who can solve that problem or take the next step is going to be you. There's, you're not going to be able to just rely on the government to come in and save you unless you're a big, gigantic bank, basically. This movie should have been on my top five. And as I heard you play the list, I'm like, you know, the fact that I didn't have that, just to go with some movies I think I thought that that might surprise people, might have been a mistake because, you know, even this morning, Cheryl and I were talking about this list, OG, as we were on a morning walk and we were discussing about how, you know, up until this time, real estate never goes down. I mean, think about all those late night infomercials. We were joking during the TikTok minute about old cable TV. And you go to any cable TV station at one o'clock in the morning, it was playing some shyster. Was it like Carlton somebody or another? Carlton Sheets. Sheets. There you go. And remember the young guy with the slick back hair, Greg somebody or other? I think he went to jail. But there were all of these just, just slimy real estate things. But they weren't wrong. For a long time, real estate had not gone down. And because of that, a lot of people got into that business who were looking to, quote, help you. Get in, on, get in on this thing. They didn't really care about any outcome except their own. Well, yeah. And man, the lessons, the lessons in, in the fact that every asset class can go down, number one. Number two is we learned there's a big difference between an unguaranteed money market and an FDIC-insured high-yield savings account. Like There's a huge difference between the two of those. We learned so many lessons. Like the big short is a big, uh, big picture I think everybody should see. 100%. Plus Margot Robbie. Not in the big short. That's Wolf of Wall Street, but nice try. No, she's totally in the big short. Oh, they have the, her sitting in, the, in a yeah, bathtub in the, in the explaining bathtub. that one little bit. Oh, they yeah. do. They do. It, it's like they had to figure out how to explain this really complex thing. So they're like, let's find the most beautiful woman we can and put her in a bathtub and just have her say the dialogue. It's a hilarious device that they came up with. I forgot about that and how funny yeah. that was. That yeah. was that was so funny. Number two. This is my number two uh, from a film. I really feel like this is in the early 2000s. Mark Wahlberg, probably one of the better soliloquies kind of scenes just to kind of really reframe and put a lot of stuff in, in perspective. When, when you win big, you got to take care of you for just a minute. For just a minute, do the smart thing. Sit down. You drink? I don't remember if you drink. Of course, there's drink and drink. I drink but I haven't been drunk since Reagan was president. I got a DUI in a jail. I actually fell down and pissed my pants. You don't need to do that twice. I tell you this so you'll know everybody's been there. Everybody's been there. Once. If you're there twice, having been there once, I can't help you. You know? Which, just as a pause, that is such a great, like, little bit of a line right there. That's such a good one. Once. If you go twice, having been there once, I can't help you. And, you know, you were talking about debt and using the Sally Field movie. That's kind of sort of like that, right? It's like if you touch that hot stove one time and you 
drink all that and you go like, oh my God, that sucked. And then you go do it again. <laughs> like, I can't help you. Having done it once and knowing how bad it is, and then you go do it again. Like, hey, that's, man, that's kind of on you at that point. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. <laughs> I did it wrong. I did the George Bush. <laughs> I just did, did the who? George Bush. Shame Correct. going all around. What does he say? <laughs> I can't remember. It's a shame <laughs> the thing. The shame thing. You know, the thing. No, different guy. Here, here's the, the rest drunks. of it. And it's like you're listening to a fairy story about a fight with a f***ing monster. When the actual title of the story is, I can't handle my liquor by Mr. Crybaby. Amen. I don't know. Maybe they got a problem. But f*** them if they do, because I don't. Which leads me to ask, are you pulling this just now or forever? I mean, do you have a problem? Wham, 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 like some little girl. Wham, wham, wham. Or some Somali who can't process that there's no food where they live? Or are you just f***ed up temporarily because you're temporarily f***ed up? Are you long business or short business? What's the difference? I need to know if you got the f***ing brains to walk when it's time to walk. People don't, you know. Ball players who can't play anymore. Trying to maintain a standard of living not possible anymore. A lot of those around. I've seen you be half a million dollars up. I've been up two and a half million dollars. What do you got on you? Nothing. What'd you put away? Nothing. You get up two and a half million dollars, any in the world knows what to do. You get a house with a 25-year roof, an indestructible Jap economy box. You put the rest into the system at three to five percent to pay your taxes, and that's your base, get me? That's your fortress of solitude. That puts you for the rest of your life at a level of Somebody wants you to do something? Boss pisses you off. Own your house. Have a couple bucks in the bank. Don't drink. That's all I have to say to anybody at any social level. It's so good. Could you pick one that was more rated R? Because Steve's all over that button. <laughs> yeah. All the listeners are going to hear is a solid beep, beep with some beep. articles of speech and conjunctions <laughs> in the middle. Beep, beep, beep. And that piece you didn't beep, hear beep, any beep. of was John Goodman. John Goodman in The Gambler. Well, he's talking to Mark Wahlberg. He's on his third loan shark. This is his final hurrah, basically, before the end of the movie. This is, this is life. I mean, you have a good thing going and then people will do the most random things to sabotage their own success along the way. And you go, how could you possibly do that? Don't do those things. Having done it once, don't do it twice. You get, everybody gets a pass, right? You know, we're not born with innate knowledge of how to manage money. It's not taught in schools. Parents generally don't teach it well. And so you get to kind of follow it up. But don't do it twice. And if, you, if you're up, you know, if you've got some stock options and they've gone up, my God, take that money seriously. No, that's a, that's a big one. How many times have we heard people that are doing great with their money and just for who knows what reason, just try to squeeze a little more out for no reason? They're going to be okay. Like, how much is enough? You know, it's almost like we talked about with Gordon Gecko. There's always this, how many yachts can I water ski behind? Maybe it could be another one where Bud Fox is trying to say to him in the movie Wall Street is trying to say, you know, you, you have enough. You have enough. It's funny because that's what we're going to be talking about on Wednesday. Manisha Tagor is here, who's going to uh, be talking exactly about that. That's a good one. Uh, John Goodman, just always good. He's really good. Yeah, wherever he is. My number two, I had to put um, one of my favorite Christmas movies in this list. And, and it actually was thinking about Ebenezer Scrooge and The Christmas Carol led me to this. This is a movie that goes back to 1945, and Barbara Stanwyck 
classic actress who worked for a long time. Barbara Stanwyck uh, has a great thing going. She is in a magazine, like a better housekeeping kind of magazine, and she is this woman who's a phenomenal chef. And she talks about being in Connecticut with her farm and how she has this lovely countryside and she makes these beautiful dishes. The problem is, OG, she's a fantastic writer and she lives in a little tiny apartment in Manhattan and she doesn't even know how to cook. It's all a lie. Everything is a lie. And this scene from early in the movie is, uh, well, let's just listen in because um, she's about to talk to a guy named Doug who's in on the lie with her. Oh, hello, Felix. Hello, goodbye. Merry Christmas. Uh, don't mention it. Hello, Doug. Hello, Liz. We're in a jam. Something terrible is about to happen. What's the matter? It's Yardley. He wants to see you right away at his home on Long Island. Really? Maybe he wants to give me a raise for Christmas. I've certainly helped circulation. No, darling. It's not a raise. You look frazzled, Doug. Do you want a drink? No. No, thanks. Now, it's really nothing to be nervous about. Not a thing. Don't be silly. I'm not nervous. I feel fine. Well, you won't in a minute. Now, get this. Some fool nurse at a naval hospital wrote to Yardley asking to invite a wounded sailor out at your farm for Christmas. My farm? Oh, oh, yes, my farm. Oh, my farm. And he wants to see you right away to arrange it. Arrange it? Are you crazy? Where am I going to get a farm? I haven't even got a window box. That's just it. We'll have to stall him off. You know what a stickler he is for the truth. If he ever finds out we've been making all this up, he'll fire the both of us. Oh. Well, it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> so... Barbara Stanwyck, I, I love that pause at the end because uh, Barbara Stanwyck decides, oh, gee, that she's got to get a farm. They got to go to Connecticut. They got to make sure that this lie that they've been living, that it continues. And how many things, I mean, you look at the Wolf of Wall Street, right? A lie that starts off as little and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We had Maury Tahara pour on a few years ago talking about negotiating. And she talked about the best way to negotiate is doing it from a position of strength, which is you and exactly who you are and what you're actually bringing to the table, not puffing out your chest or being this thing that you're not, it's being exactly who you are. And it was reading Bob Iger's book, which I thought was a fantastic book about, um, he talked about how he negotiated with everybody from Steve Jobs to when he was buying Marvel. Um, his negotiation always was, here's exactly what I'm looking for. This is exactly what, uh, what, what I bring to the table. This is how I think it will fit. He's like, I wasn't into all of this, you know, hold things back, hard thing. It's great. Plus, I love the line that I've heard attributed to both Abraham Lincoln and to Mark Twain. I don't lie because I don't have a good enough memory. The lies always catch up to you. And of course, in this movie, as you can guess, the lie catches up with Barbara Stanwyck and Doug. I love the way they speak in those old movies. Now, see here, see? <laughs> it's so good. If you're up for a black and white Christmas movie, it is my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, well, we're up to number one, aren't we? Number one. Number one. And you know what? The point of this movie is going to be a little repetitive, but whenever I think about money, OG, I think about the point of money. And uh, this is a movie about a guy. Well, this is a scene from the end of the movie. Once again, an older movie. So at the risk of giving it away, I think I'm just going to play the clip. Morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Mr. Fredrickson. You ready to go? Ready as I'll ever be. Would you do me a favor and take this? I'll meet you at the van in just a minute. I uh, want to say one last goodbye to the old place. Sure. Take all the time you need, sir. 
That's typical. He's probably going to the bathroom for the 80th time. <sighs> You'd think he'd take better care of his house. Carl Fredrickson, of course, that sound of stuff um, ripping was this huge bag, which was all these inflatable balloons. And there goes his house from the movie up. And I think my this is number one on my list because, you know, the the first what five minutes of this movie, one of the best five minutes of any movie. And the lesson in this movie, OG, that we're here talking about money. What we're really talking about isn't just securing the past. It's really securing the future. And Carl has spent the entire movie living in the past until he gets this big lesson at the end that, that all of this stuff that he's done and all the stuff that's happened to him really is just to help him continue living. So my number one is uh, Pixar's up. Get busy living, get busy dying. Amen, brother. That could have been one of the lessons. And sadly he was busy dying. From red. You know, I mean, we opened the movie where he's busy dying. Mm-hmm. So what, what's your number one? Here we go. It's from, uh, one of my mentors, Bobby Axelrod. <laughs> Wanks, you ever get tired of working for a living? Every damn day. But I've got a nasty addiction called money, so I do what I do. You? No, never. Until today. You know, they call us traders gamblers. The world economy is just one big casino fueled by a giant debt bubble and computer-driven derivatives. There's only one thing better than being a gambler in a casino. That's being the house. That is right. There's a systemized machine out there sucking capital from localities and injecting it into the global markets where it can be used to speculate and manipulate. And if something goes wrong, there are bailouts and bail-ins, federal aid and easing, where the government doesn't hunt you down, but instead gives you a nice soft net to land it. That's your answer to the fireside chat. You want to become a bank? I want to become a bank. In order to rob it? In order that I don't have to. It's, you cheated. How did I cheat? That's not a movie. Well, it's kind of a movie. It's a TV a television show. television program. Season seven, <laughs> Billions, just started, by the way, for those who are interested. when I, The first time that I heard that and Wags says, Do you, you know, you're tired of work and he goes, every day, but I've got this nasty addiction called money, so I do what I do. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool, really well written. But then he's talking about like back to the kind of banking thing. And for every side of a transaction that you're on, there's somebody that's on the other side of the transaction. And I think that it's really important to recognize, and I don't, I don't think about this from the standpoint of like be safe and secure and you know, put your money in savings and all that sort of stuff, kind of like what the gambler uh, section was about. I don't think that that's the right answer. I mean, the way that I think about it is you have an opportunity to take advantage of all of those things you don't need to have a safety net of the bank. You don't need to have 
a safety net of bailouts. You don't have to have a safety net of all these things that the banking world does. Because as long as you follow the same rules, you're going to have a better outcome. People say that banks are great because they make little teeny tiny bits of money on every transaction, right? Versus trying to make a whole bunch of money on one on one transaction. And that's kind of true, right? So you can look at this and say, well, be the bank, be the person who's the stable facility in the family, like all of those sorts of metaphors are fine too. But you can have the same results of making a little bit of money on each transaction if you do all of the things related to saving and saving and investing over long periods of time. That's the value that the banking industry brings to the economy. is isn't necessarily that they provide and lend capital and all that sort of tactical stuff. It's the fact that it's they do the same stuff for generations. And if you do the same stuff and your kids do the same stuff and your grandkids do the same stuff, specifically around investing, specifically around staying out of debt, you turn into that. You turn into that family bank, so to speak, because because you don't need 150 years to change the trajectory of your family tree. You have to, you need to be that person. Like if mom and dad didn't do it or grandma and grandpa didn't do it, all you have to do, I mean, this is such an eye-opening thing. I was reading an article that Paul Merriman wrote about his three-factor portfolio. And y'all can look up what that is, but it's basically a pretty simple portfolio. Anyways, the, what he was talking about was in 1970, if you started this in 1970, left dividends to reinvest and didn't touch it with $100,000, 54 years later, 53 years later, you'd have $20 million. I mean, it's such an insane amount of money. It's such, it, I mean, it's so over the top more than all of the stuff that you could possibly need. Obviously, $100,000 in $1970 was a lot more than $100,000 is today, just like $20 million today will be a lot less than $20 million yeah. adjusted yeah. 50 years from now. But I look at that and I say, well, I'm not sure that I've got another 50 years in order to accumulate and then benefit from it, right? Because I'd be 95. But my kids sure do, and their kids, Lord willing, definitely do. And it's like, it only takes a little bit, a hundred grand or $50,000 or something that you just set aside and the whole trajectory of everybody around you changes forever. It's funny. People talk about building generational wealth and that is such a small dollar. That's amount. a big, well, I mean, it's a big dollar amount, but I in get the, what you're in saying. The, in the, in the comparative sense, I mean, 50 grand, hundred grand, you know, stroke a check and Agreed. go, I'm not going to need this money for the rest of my life. Sure. If you can save 50 grand more, a hundred grand more than you're saving. And you know, we look at how fast money compounds and I just think, you know, you put away a little extra and, you know, and that's been our recurring theme too, right? OG is that these people that say they're okay and bigger goals, like there is a bigger outlook you could have. It's pretty exciting. Be the bank, be the family bank, be Bobby Axelrod. <laughs> that's great. Those are our top five. Doug, you've got a great one too here that didn't make our list, but certainly made yours. Let's play. Let's play this clip from a movie. I'm not sure which one you're going to play, but if it's the one I think it is, it's really just the opening line from the movie. It's yeah. the very first dialogue spoken. Yeah, we'll play that one. Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. <laughs> That's from the movie Rounders. Yeah, I love that. I mean, we I think as we aspire for more and more income, we 
can find ourselves in situations that we're in over our head a little bit, we're often going to perform better at achieving what we want when we're in our area of expertise. So I think that little line about if you can't figure out who it is, it's probably you. I think that probably is applicable. I think what's funny to me that it signifies is, you know, how many times have you gone into situations just unprepared? You just walk into a situation. And of course, like I go to a poker game once a month with friends of mine here in, in Texarkana and I'm totally unprepared and I get my butt kicked, but I'm okay. Cause it's just poker, but in real life stakes, you've been in a meeting before and everybody knows who the moron is in the meeting, except the moron that won't shut up. Right. It's the one that won't shut up. No, you've said it much better than I did, but that's exactly right. I mean, it's easy to watch these movies and think about it only in the context of poker, but you've done, I mean, you've said it well, Joe, which is it applies everywhere if you're unprepared. Yeah. Just the idea of just showing up. Um, There's another great quote in this movie where Turturro says, guys around here are going to tell you, You play for a living, it's like any other job. You don't gamble, you grind it out. And I think that is analogous to a lot of things we espouse here on this show, which is, you know, you're in it for the long game. And if you can be patient, and, you know, we talked about the rule of 72 all the time, uh, if you can be patient, you will succeed. Just stick to your plan and you will succeed. But if you go to try to get it all and (laughs) bet it all on one pot, you're going to probably lose that hand. There's a really good chance you're going to lose that hand and be back where you started. So I like that notion in rounders. Fantastic place, I think, for us to end. And looking at the time, we are not going to have time for our Haven Lifeline today. We'll get back to answering your questions next week. However, we do have time for our community calendar coming up next week. I will be... I'll be back on Instagram next Thursday uh, with an Instagram live. So if you want to hang out uh, with us on Thursday, next Wednesday, we are live on Fireside recording our roundtable. So hang out with Doug, OG, Len, Paula, and me as we make the donuts. You can hang out with us and maybe even be a part of the show. That's on the Fireside app. Uh, So you'll want to download that app and be there. If, by the way, you can't, for some reason, beyond the Fireside app, we'll be simulcasting it on our YouTube channel. So that is Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 p.m. Pacific next Wednesday, uh, August 30th. So join me then. Uh, if you want to go deeper on all these topics that we talked about today, many topics in our top 10, head to stackybenjamins.com slash 201 because the day after every show, Kevin Bailey helps us dive into these topics in much, much more depth than we have time to do in the podcast. Last thing here is that if you're not here to talk about your favorite movies or uh, to t- <laughs> or to talk about any of the various topics we had today, you're here because you need a better team in your corner to make better financial decisions. OG and his team are taking clients. And as we round into September, great time to be thinking about the future. Well, heck, yesterday was a better time than today to think about the future. But I guess my point is, it's slipping away. So head to stackybenjamins.com slash OG. That's the link to their calendar and to seeing how their team can interface with you to help you make better financial decisions. All right. That is it for today. Doug, man, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our movie clips. You can find inspiration to do better financially nearly everywhere. But there's probably going to be a few F-bombs mixed in there. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Second, learn from today's headline. Working from home, create boundaries and time away. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, But on the other end, 
Work from home can also equal be unemployed from home if you don't create good systems to remain disciplined. But the big lesson? Sometimes a spider bite can look a lot like a GDP you picked up from a toilet seat at a rest stop on I-75. Either way, get a doctor to take a look at it. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course, you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of this show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Youngkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. Say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. couple of uh, honorable mentions from the uh, money movie department. This, was, uh, this movie was out about 10 years ago. Didn't make the clip, but I can relate with this character's issues. Really make two and a half million last year? Uh, sure. How did you spend it all? That was quite quickly. You know, you learn to spend what's in your pocket. Two and a half million goes quickly? All right, let's see. So the tax man takes half up front, so you're left with one and a quarter. My mortgage takes another 300 grand. I sent 150 home for my parents, you know, keep them going. So what's that? 800. All right, 800. I spent 150 on a car, about 75 on restaurants, probably 50 on clothes. I put 400 away for a rainy day. That's smart. Yeah, as it turns out, because it looks like the storm's coming. Still got 125. 
Yeah, well, I did spend $76,520 on hookers, booze, and dancers, but mainly hookers. $76,500? I was a little shocked initially, but then I realized that I could claim most of it back as entertainment. <laughs> What's that from? What movie is that from? A little movie called Margin Call. From Margin Call. I never saw Margin Call. I actually. I didn't either. It's, yeah. So what's funny about Margin Call is I took that out from our blockbuster back when I lived in the Detroit area and it closed and I never returned it. And I have no idea where that is, but I, but somewhere I had Margin Call and it sat there for like, I don't know, two years. Liam Neeson's in that, isn't he? I think it's Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. Is yeah. There. That might've been Jeremy Irons we were listening to right there. Mm. In fact. No, it wasn't. No, that wasn't but, Jeremy Irons. No. There's a couple of big people in that. I want to say Jason Bateman. No. Yes. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Spacey might be in mm-hmm. there. Correct. I've never seen it, but I've seen a couple of clips yeah. and I've thought, oh, I should watch it. I had that. every opportunity to see it. <laughs> was it on VHS? <laughs> you owned it. <laughs> I don't think it's that uh, old. It's no, it was a DVD. It was a DVD that I just never watched. You know, I, I thought of another, Slumdog Millionaire has a lot of great money messages. Yeah. Totally. That could easily put That one I never saw. Such a great movie. Eh, I didn't love it. Oh my God. So inspirational. Joe and God. I are on other ends of the scale when it horrible, comes to- Horrible taste. To be honest with this whole thing, I, I was trying to find like lessons from like- Money porn, movies. The Terminator. Oh, from right. <laughs> I'm like, I was trying to find like, you guys will recognize this movie as Expendables 4. Uh, this is Dolph Lundgren. And this is the importance of life insurance. (laughs) Exactly. This is why you want disability. Run, run the clip, Steve. You'll note this from Rambo (laughs) seven. People don't understand what a deep thinker Sylvester Stallone is. The, the, the under, the under, uh, current in that movie, the subtext, Doug, you had another one, which was a movie that we actually both did like. And, uh, well, this is one of the classic scenes of all time. Who is that? And where's Mr. Roman? Well, I'm not a leash, so I don't know, do I? Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about... ...about that sale you shot. Some son of a bitch don't want to buy land. Somebody don't want what you're selling. Some broad you're trying to screw, so forth. Let's talk about something important. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> you think I'm with you? I am not with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. Your name's Levine. Yeah. You call yourself a salesman, you son of a I don't gotta listen to this You certainly don't, pal. Because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all you've got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. And this uh, goes on, and it's one of the classic. People should go find it, listen to that whole thing. But that's... Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Some of the best dialogue ever to be put on screen, start to finish. I mean, the whole thing is just all dialogue driven. That's one of the best casts of a movie. You're, I mean, Pacino, Jack Lemmon, 
I know. Alan Arkin. That was uh, Alec Baldwin telling Jack Lemon yeah. to put the coffee down. Like if I were playing that part, I'd go put the coffee down. Please, I'm sorry, sir, Mr. Lemon. Please, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you can just if please it's okay put it with down. you. Don't yell at me. Don't. I want to work again. Please don't. <laughs> That's right. Ed Harris. I mean, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. Yeah, it's it is so good. And the movie just sort of starts. And I mean, it's going to sound stupid the way I say it, but it, it doesn't necessarily resolve itself. Some people might be upset at the end because a lot of times we're looking for that nice, you know, things to be wrapped up with in a nice package with a bow on it. It doesn't necessarily do that. But in that sense, it makes it more realistic. Life goes on. Right. But just a top tier movie. This was a, well, it was a David Mamet stage. David play. Mamet. Yep. It's all in one room. They never leave that room. It, it is a stage play that's on a movie. Oh, you're they right. Leave, they they leave a couple times. But they go yeah. to the bar. That's right. Yeah, there's only a couple scenes. They do a sit at a house, but they yeah, do. it's largely in that room. Yeah, most of it's there. So it, it feels like you're watching a play. Yeah, but back to the lesson, you're right. Almost like the old 12 Angry Men in that yes. sense. It feels like yeah. you're watching a play. But I mean, the money lesson in all of this, in that speech, always be closing. You don't have to be a salesperson to have that mindset. You should have that mindset of what am I, what's my ultimate goal here? What am I driving? But it at? drives me crazy though, dude, when people take that message too far. It's just, I've oh, been it around gets those, overused. That, that, I've been that, around those people. Like when I was back in sales rooms, you're like, oh, just give it a rest, dude. <laughs> just go. Right. But if you, yeah, if you're not just hitting people in the face with it, which is obnoxious, but if you just in sort of incorporate that notion into your daily work life about what's my ultimate goal here? What am There's I trying a sale to achieve? happening on every conversation, right? I mean, sure. like if you're working, yes. you're trying to get a promotion or you're trying to- You're selling your kids on eating their dinner. 100%. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a great line from Boiler Room. Joe, I think you might've mentioned that early on. That's another one we could have quoted from several times, but there's no such thing as a no sale call. A sale is made on every call you make. Either you sell the client some stock or he sells you why he can't. Either way, a sale is made. Sale every time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what was, speaking of this, is this being overplayed? Oh, gee, I don't remember if you were at American Express when this happened, but we had a manager fairly new to the management game, had apparently just seen this movie <laughs> and uh, sitting with the first year people and in, the, in, in this big room, tell somebody to put the coffee down. Oh, God. And the whole room, and by the way, talk about a room where, where if, what was the quote from Matt Damon earlier? If- if you can't spot the sucker in the first half hour, yeah. I swear to God, the whole room knew this guy was the idiot because <laughs> he's pretending that he's uh, Alec Baldwin, but the emperor had no clothes. Put the coffee down. Coffee is for closers. And people start laughing. He's like, you think I'm funny? You think I'm laughing? Oh, no. There's nothing to laugh about. Oh, no. We're like, oh, yeah, you're an idiot. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle, buddy. <laughs> Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the 
Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.